Hey everyone, thank you for tuning into Layers of Design. I'm Ebehi and I'm your host. As always, we appreciate every listen and share, and we hope to keep bringing you inspiring stories from designers all across the world. In this episode, I have a conversation with Kilian Eke, a Nigerian architect and designer who I met in 2016 when we worked for an architecture firm in Lagos. Killian is one of the many talented designers I had the pleasure of working with. His hard work and talent keep him curious in the world of design. We talk about so many different things, from how he got started in the architecture field, to schooling in Nigeria, and the importance of documenting the history of architects in Nigeria. This particular episode was enlightening for me. I hope it gives you all some insight on being a designer in Lagos. Hi, Kilian. Thank you so much for deciding to come on and share your experience of, you know, your design journey with us. So welcome. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure. Of course. So I guess let's start with how you got into design and architecture. As I said earlier, it's one of my fondest stories to tell. Uh, growing up, uh, when I was a kid, I always knew I was design inclined. Uh, from the day I was old enough to hold a pencil, I always wanted to draw, draw, draw. Some of my earliest memories were of me drawing on my parents' uh, bedroom walls. I remember vividly, it was a pretty small room, the walls were painted blue, and any chance I got, uh, I'd take a pencil and I'd start drawing on the walls. My sister would get back from school and run straight to her school bag and bring out her pencils and her crayons and I'd start drawing on the walls. At first it was cute. Everybody was like, oh, he's drawing. Oh. <laughs> the older I got, they were like, oh, he's drawing. Oh, he's drawing. And then it became, hey, stop drawing. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, I, it progressed. Uh, for, I went from drawing on the walls to drawing on paper and I did portrait drawings, I drew cartoons, I drew wrestlers, I, I loved wrestling. But somewhere along the line, I found that I had this fascination with cities, streets, buildings. Like I would walk past, I'd be coming back from school, I'd walk past the construction site and I'd stop and just take a deep breath, like inhale the smell of lumber, of scaffolding. And my friends would look at me like, what's wrong with this dude? Well, it's, <laughs> I, I just felt like it was calling, it was calling to me. Uh, uh, at the time, I, I, as, 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 I, as a kid, I was more inclined to, towards uh, city planning. I always, I liked to see the big picture, how cities were planned, cityscapes. Uh, some of my fondest memories as a child was, uh, Christmas day, Christmas or the day after Christmas, Boxing Day, an uncle of mine would come with his car and he'd take us out. When I say out, I don't mean like he took us to a particular place, like say Mr. Biggs or have a snack. He'd just drive around. And those are some of my fondest memories because we'd go past. You remember the sites, Dolphin Estates, mm -hmm. like uh, Marina, and everybody in the car would be like, when are we going to Mr. Biggs to get snacks? And I'm just looking out the window like, wow. <laughs> So in 99, I and my brother embarked on this crazy idea, this crazy project where we decided to 
design our own city and I mean, we were kids. The idea was if we designed the city and it was nice enough, somebody in the government would give us money and land to, to build our city. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the older I got, the older I got, uh, I started to narrow down my, uh, what I wanted to do because it, it got to, uh, I got to that age where everybody became curious. Like, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, what, what, you, what, what career do you want to pursue? And then they started throwing the usual suspects at me. Hey, do you, don't you want to be a doctor? Don't you want to be a lawyer? Yeah. Don't you want to be an engineer? Don't you want to be a doctor? I mean, it was just those three. That was it. There was nothing else. You couldn't tell your parents you wanted to be a footballer or uh, an artist or an architect, which mm-hmm. at, at the time, I, I didn't even know what that word was. I'd heard in passing, but... I didn't grow up next to any architects. There was basically no influence. So I had to, I read, I had to go on a journey of self-discovery myself. Mm-hmm. It wasn't on SS2, I think, where we had this uh, substitute teacher who was teaching us mathematics at the time. He was just there for a while. And I discovered he was building tech slash, building tech, uh, building tech slash architecture students. Uh, in training he was in training but he was just there like a gap year or something and he was teaching mathematics at the school and he, he was doing his spare time he'd seen with the drawing board and a t-square and he'd be drawing buildings and i would just i'd be in the staff room looking and teachers be like hey 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 leave hey, be like hey leave the boy leave the boy so that was my first exposure to architecture as is and from that day i knew this this is what i wanted to do so yeah. from there on, the, the journey was rough. Yeah, I had a couple of uh, teachers who were, I don't know, there's this thing about Nigerian teachers wanting to brag to somebody that, hey, I trained that boy as a doctor. That's my student. But hey, I don't want to be a doctor, man. I never told you I wanted to be a doctor. I don't <laughs> like, want to be proud about, hey, I trained that architect. They mm-hmm. were like, oh, we don't know what is. No, no, no. You have to be a doctor. I even had uncles who came to my parents and were like telling him, no, you know what, tell my dad, tell my mom, like, he shouldn't read architecture, he should read something more traditional, he should become an engineer. If he doesn't want to be a doctor and a, or a lawyer, then definitely he wants to be an engineer. Got to a point, I was like, you know what, uh, funny story, the day I filled my jam form, my UME form, I had to lock myself in my bedroom. And my parents were looking at the door, I hope you're not doing what I think you're doing. I exactly, I'm doing exactly what you think I'm doing. I filled in architecture, and that was in 2006. And as they say, the rest is history. Being an architect I've been, since the year 2010. Wow. Yeah, doing my bit for society, doing my bit for myself, doing my bit for my people, trying to change the world on brick at a time, as they say. Hmm. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a fascinating journey. So... I really like what you said about trying to change the world one brick at the, at a time. Um, that's a very interesting story. So you pretty much like fought your way through becoming an I, architect. I had to. It was either that that or uh, my parents were really huge on either becoming a doctor or a pharmacist. No, definitely not. I no. <laughs> so I was going to ask you. Do you think? They're like, okay, so I, I don't know how many architecture students are like in, in the universities in Lagos or in Nigeria, 
do you think yeah. there's like there are very few architecture students because you know the culture is not really parents thinking immediately that architecture is a career that they would like their um kids to pursue well uh i'll answer it this way when i got into uni uni uh mm-hmm. there was some i noticed there were two uh, there were there were three classes of students, especially uh, my first year. There were there was a group A and group A were people who had always had close proximity to architecture. Either their their parents were architects or uh, immediate family members were architects, so they'd always been exposed. And in on, in that group, uh, another set of people in that a subset of students in that group were people who had father figures who were architects and had told them, hey, you are going to carry on the family legacy, you are going to be an architect. So sometimes they were there against their will. That was yeah, there's, there's, like, there's a huge percentage of people that way. Then there's another group of students who kind of discovered architecture later in life, not as early as the other guys in the first group. So I belong to that group. Uh, it could have been anywhere between when you were in, in kindergarten to when you were in, like, after secondary school. The discovery could have happened anywhere in, as in around those times. But the, the idea being that you discovered it yourself mm-hmm. or through the help of uh, uh, some people you interacted with and you're like, you know what, this is what I want to do. Then there's the third guys, the third group of guys who I would say is the Nigeria factor where you know, you tried out for medicine, you tried out for uh, you know, pharmacy, you tried out for engineering. And so, you know what, well, let me just try this architecture thing. And fun, it was funny that I met a lot of guys like that because uh, we had this, uh, this course, uh, Introduction to Architecture, where the lecturer encouraged us to get a sketchbook and make sketches all the time. Like draw, his, his, his policy was draw whatever you see. Uh, we had uh, you had a sketchbook and you call that your first hundred sketches, your second hundred sketches, your third hundred sketches. You wouldn't believe how many people I had to talk to, like and they come like Killian. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't even know how to draw. Uh, why, why, why did I choose this? I mean, uh, the limited experience I had. I mean, I was like, hey, you're talking to me. I just discovered this yesterday. <laughs> And I'll tell them, you know what, well, calm down. It's not about how you got here. It's about what you do while you're here. So oh, wow. Do the exercise. Draw straight lines, like take a whole page and you draw straight lines, draw straight lines. Some of those guys ended up, they, they draw better than I could and better than I ever will. They had, they had it in them, but they just needed somebody to give them a little kick in the bum before mm-hmm. they find it. Um, back, back then, there wasn't a lot, a lot of exposure especially uh, in families that did not have that uh, proximity to the business. Uh, they still dwelled on the big three, engineer, doctor, or lawyer. So they, they didn't know much about, maybe if they did, now that there's a lot of exposure about the profession, so some parents actually encourage their kids, you know, well, go ahead, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. But back in school, back then, in my class, there was just that. There's a three students. Oh wow! So this, so so the exposure for architecture is quite recent. Yeah, it's 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 kind of recent. It's kind of recent. The, the numbers haven't always been huge in mm-hmm. Nigeria. Like the numbers aren't huge, but 
So I'm, I'm, I can only speak for myself and my experiences. As we progressed, the class that came after me, when I, when I moved to second year, the class that came after me had considerably more uh, students. And yeah. I'll use this as a point of reference, the number of female students. For some reason, in my class, there were, there were only two girls. It was odd. Mm-hmm. There's, it's, it's also a Nigerian thing. Some parents think, uh, some people think, uh, this is not a course girls should study, which mm. makes no sense to me. Makes no sense. None. Which we can, we can delve into that some other time, but it makes no sense to me. But as we progressed, I saw it as a, as a sign of like, okay, things are getting better and brighter because the classes that followed, they had more female students. So I saw that as a win. And I saw that, okay, the exposure pool is expanding now. Our parents are beginning to see the merits in our profession. The class after us, there were two girls. The class after that was, I think there were four girls. And it just kept increasing and increasing. And the number of students kept increasing also. So at least that, I, I saw that as a positive. Okay, a lot more people are beginning to have their eyes open about this beautiful profession of ours. Oh, wow. I And okay, so let's, I want to talk about two things that you just mentioned. First of all, the, you know, the whole, this is not a course for girls. Honestly, yeah. that's, that's actually something I think architecture struggles with just worldwide, where, you know, women are kind of still fighting for a seat at the table for, in this career, you know? Okay. So what's, what's your take on that? Because I, I know you said that you don't understand why, um, why people will think that way, but do you have any reasons why they would think that way? Uh I've, I've I've looked at I've looked at it from different angles from mm-hmm. different uh, perspectives. I'm uh, although I do not like to use the term because there's still a lot of learning to do. I consider myself, in principle, a feminist. Mm, okay. I believe in uh, equity and equality of the genders. Okay. I do not believe. Uh, 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 certain professions uh, should be uh, women should be locked out of certain professions and then when you like look at look at those professions critically there's nothing there which you would say okay this is this is too difficult for them. i mean i mean let's let's look at the let's look at the small picture is it technical drawing is it how to use a computer is it is it design ideas i mean some of the most creative minds i know happen to be on the necks of women. Mm. So why are we? Why are we pushing them out? How? Why are we pushing them or telling them, okay, you can only have one seat at this table and that's it. I'm yeah. giving you this. Even trying, I mean, we tried, we tried. Like, no, you did not. And then, coupled with the experiences I've heard of uh, uh, a female senior, a female senior colleague of mine, when she was trying to get her accreditation, her uh, license to practice all the hurdles she had to jump, unnecessary hurdles she had to jump and whatnot because there was this issue with school accreditation and whatnot. I consider it unfair. But in the same vein, I would say there needs to be a lot of unlearning mm. on the part of society and on the part of women themselves. Like they should be made to know that this thing in front of you it's really not as big a deal as anybody says it is that you have to be scared to 
put your foot in the water. So no, it's water. Anybody can swim. <laughs> exactly. Getting there, it's not it's not a big deal. Like the things you struggle with, get into architecture school. Guys are struggling with the same things. So I mean, go ahead. Might as well keep it a shot. It's not it's not an equal opportunity thing. Is you should be there. You should be there. So I think there should be an unlearning on the part of society that hey, this idea of certain courses not being for women, just throw it in the bin. And also, a lot more women should be let. They should be educated. And, uh, this course is for you. It's for everybody. So don't yeah. be scared. To, there's there's a lot of systemic and institutionalized uh, bias in the system that we might have to overcome. But the first step is to get them to go in there. And if we see the people telling them no, yeah, we punch them in the throat or something. Oh. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I really, I really like your point of view, and I, I, I really agree with it as well. Because at the end of the day. Honestly, as long as you're passionate about it and architecture is something that you like, anybody can do, can, you know, get into architecture and everybody but, should be given the same opportunity to pursue their career. Yeah. Uh, equal opportunity. Why, mm -hmm. if, 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 every, if every architect, if every male architect is being told that you can be a, well, a piano, you can be a Beatles, you can be a Gary, you can be a Luca Bouzier, you can be a Frank Floyd, right? Why aren't we telling uh, every woman in the field and every woman out there that, hey, you can be a Zaha Hadid? Yeah. And this is, this is the only notable female architect that I can like mention from them is Zaha Hadid. Why? Mm -hmm. is that? Exactly. It's an international <laughs> problem. Yeah. And it's, it's, we should, more women should be let into that space. More mm -hmm. women should be letting this because we need the diversity of ideas. We need the diversity of design. We need the diversity in building character. We need the diversity in innovation. We don't just want one track. Wow, I completely agree with that. So another thing I wanted to touch on was when you said, you know, you were talking about the exposure to not yeah. just for women in general, just for everyone and how you saw that increase. Do you yeah. think, I know there has been an increase, right, in people getting to know more about what architecture is, but do you think um, it's a career worth exposing to younger children just so they know this is a possibility and it's not only medicine or law or engineering that they have to go into? I am a lifetime advocate of two things. A mm -hmm. lifetime advocate of two things. Number one is more people should name their babies after me. And number two is nurture. Anybody I meet, no matter how young, no matter how old, the first thing I mention is, hey, have you heard about architecture? Hey, I'm an architect. Do you know what it entails? I'm sure the kids in my neighborhood are tired of me, like tired. You probably see me coming from, hey, architect bros, run, everyone run. Like, I, I harp on it because I want... I want that space filled to the brain with as many creative as possible. I don't want people to have the limited choices I thought I had when mm -hmm. I was trying career. I want people to know that there's, especially in this space in, in Lagos, Nigeria, in Imo State, where I come from, in South South Nigeria, Southeast Nigeria, Southwest, the Middle Belt, everywhere, the Northeast, North Central. I want people to know that. 
your career choices are not limited to doctor, lawyer. Yeah. This, this isn't 1955. Mm -hmm. This is 20. We have way more career choices now. And number one at the top of those choices, I don't care. This is my bias. Is architecture. <laughs> yeah, it's it's at the top as far as I'm concerned. Everybody should aspire to be an architect yeah. because design is beautiful. Design, mm -hmm. can, yeah, the same people have to design. You're born with it. I don't care. I'm, my experiences have shown me that it can be learned. Mm -hmm. You can learn. You can learn. You can perfect. You can you can innovate. You can study at the foot of people who you believe you can gain knowledge from it's, the possibilities are endless so i always advocate for it if i if i see people uh, uh who i think are impressionable enough for me to talk to i talk to them i tell them about architecture like hey you should give it a shot you always end up here nah i don't know how to draw i'm not that creative i'm like hey you never know have you applied yourself mm -hmm. yeah, give it a shot you let me know get back to me on it so i always advocate for that i also advocate for people who name their kids kill me but i never care <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's another fight that ah, bro. <laughs> you have to fight on your own. No, <laughs> fight, fight, fight. I like. I really like what you said with people that architecture is something that you can learn, that you can study. You know, like I think that's one thing that scares people a lot. Cause yes, it is a challenging. It's a very challenging career, but I think at the same time, everybody gets better with practice, right? Like yeah. a couple interviews that I had, I had it with this architect from Luxembourg. His name is Lewis, and he really shared on how, you know, when he he did he wasn't even thinking of becoming an architect. He wanted to be a football player, but then what? exactly he wanted to be a football player. Then he wanted to be a vet, like a veterinarian doctor, but yeah. then. He, he's, I think it was his dad that told him to try out graphic design and then he decided to go into architecture instead. And at first, everyone was telling him, oh no, you know, your drawings are really bad. Oh, you, you shouldn't be an architect, that kind of thing. But he said all he did was practice, 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 practice. And honestly, he has very beautiful drawings, very beautiful designs. And just the way he expresses his, you know, his work is very beautiful. So. Just like you, I really like what you said when you said like, we just need to encourage people that this is a profession that, you know, that needs attention of so many people. And honestly, anybody can do it through practice as long as you dedicate time and energy to your practice. And, you know, that leads me into this other question. Why do you think it's necessary for people to know about architecture or why do you think architects are needed? Uh, there's something my my boss says. He said he 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 asked the question once. He said, "Why do buildings exist?" Mm -hmm. and, and his answer was, the "Buildings exist because of the interior, because of what goes on in the buildings. Interior functions. A lot of our, our life, a lot of our lives revolve around." activities right action we are humans we're all about that action and most of those actions have to take place within the confines of spaces and for those spaces to be optimal they have to 
be functional. They have to be the right size. It has to be the right width, the right height. They have to have. They need to have the right ambiance. They need to have the right feel. They need to have the right type of lighting. They need to have the right type of finishes. You don't want unnecessary noises in a quiet space. You don't want some a space that should be robust and noisy to be too quiet. So the entire study of space design of space is architecture one on one. So if that much, this much of our lives revolve around activity that goes on within confined spaces, shouldn't there be a proportionate number of professionals designing those interior spaces? Mm. Rhetorical question. That's, this is just me. I, I, I didn't get this from any textbook. It's off the cuff. So mm. encouraging people to get into the profession it's not, uh, some people see that, oh, that means, especially in Nigeria, where it's always a, a fish eat fish world, and if you're a big fish, you don't want another big fish in the pond. Mm. Calm down. This is not the wild. This is architecture profession. Yes. As we need as many minds in this space, because another beautiful thing about architecture is that this is one profession, this is one profession where one of the rules is that if you want to be better, collaborate and nobody shies nobody shies away from collaborating like you get you you, you have this idea and you've been commissioned to build a stadium and uh like hey 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 let me get a bit here on board let me see how what, how i might can, can rub minds to get something better and then you come in and you say oh, yeah i have this other person who could help and then before you know it's a consortium of three or four or five architects and we come up with a masterpiece and then each person who is contributed to that project has a sense of pride. And it's just like Trinity, where one plus one plus one is one. It's not one plus one plus one is three. So this person is taking one third of the credit. This person is taking one third. All of us are taking 100% of the credit. It's not a lot of professions where you can find that. You don't have a, uh, uh, a brain surgery. And then you have a press conference after the brain surgery and like, hey, this guy pulled out the left side of the brain and this guy pulled out the right side of the brain. It's always one person, one ticket for everything, or this team did it, or that team did it. But this is us. This is architecture. We designed it. We don't have to come out and say, hey, I designed that column. Hey, she designed the floor. We did this. This is a space where collaboration is accepted and encouraged. So why not get as many minds in the space as possible? I completely agree with you. And I love absolutely love how you touched on architecture being one of the only professions that heavily relies on collaboration. And I think that's beautiful part of architecture, honestly, because we, we need so many different aspects just to bring, you know, just to bring a building to life. So why yeah. not share that? Why not have as many creative minds on the same team? Exactly. Wow, that's actually a really good point to touch on. Um, I'm really loving our conversation so far. So the next thing I want to talk to you about was like about the kind of like the education system and how your education was. Because I noticed, you know, when you were mentioning when you were talking about how for guys, they always say, oh, do you want to aspire to be Bjerk Angles or or, you yeah. know, pool house and things like that i noticed you didn't really mention any <laughs> any like nigerian like, architect yes. yeah so i wanted to yeah. ask like do you think there's a lack of nigerian architects or even african architects in general like in do you think there's a lack of representation and why do you think that is so especially for 
you know, architects that are born, raised, and then they went to school there. Because, you know, for me, I was born and raised in Lagos, Nigeria, but I left yeah. to school here. So I can, you know, I can kind of see how my schooling here really influenced me in think of in gathering inspiration from like, you know, Rem Cool House and all of that. Yeah. So I would like to touch on that a bit. I think uh, when it comes to representation, I think uh, the genesis of uh, things like that is when we when we get into school in Nigeria here, we have uh, we have a course of study that it's is it's called uh, in my school for instance, University of Nigeria. So uh, we have uh, a history of architecture. We have the history of architecture one, history of architecture two, history of architecture three, where we study. Uh, Roman architecture, ancient Roman architecture, ancient Egyptian architecture, we study all that. And then we get to uh, a final year and then we delve into the history of uh, traditional Nigerian architecture. Ooh. Now, here's the difference. This is a personal observation. When we studied, we get three years to study history of architecture, roughly three years to study a history of architecture, a history of world architecture. And then we get just like a semester and a half to study. Nigerian architecture. We can't even call it Nigerian uh, African architecture, Nigerian architecture. When we study the history of world architecture, we touch on uh, the great architects of times past, the Renaissance architects, the Baroque period architects, the, uh, uh, the Egyptian, uh, the Egyptian, great Egyptian designers and architects, the great Greek architects, the great Greek artists, Michelangelo and all them dudes. Uh, so we know their names. We are taught their names. It's hammered into our heads. Yeah, Le Corbusier did this. Le Corbusier did that. Frank Lloyd Wright did this. Talesin. But then we come to the history of Nigerian architecture. And I, sh I kid you not, my assignment was to go uh, to one of our southeastern states and to study the traditional, uh, the traditional building design that was applied there. Now, this is traditional building design that is not that is constantly uh, belittled in like when it's in conversation when you're talking about uh, side by side with uh, the great ancient architecture pieces of the wow. uh, Rome and Egypt and whatnot. You want you tell you do you want to put one of the pyramids of Giza against this uh, mud house in Anambra State? And you're like uh, no. So we know all these names from days past in world architecture, Egypt, uh, Rome, Greece, uh, Constantinople. We know all these, we know, we know the names, we know the timelines, we know the building names. But when it comes to Nigerian architecture, and I speak for myself, we, there's really not that much information out there mm. about the great Nigerian architects of times past. Mm. Yeah. We know I, I, I can pick up a copy of the uh, architect's register and see who was registered 001. And I see, oh, there's uh, FME, is there, Mr. Architect Majakurumi, and there's this guy, and there's that guy. But do we have any architects that have signature buildings? Like that, you can mention the name, hey, do you know who did XYZ buildings? Oh, that guy. Same way you could, you could, you could do a quick Google and you show somebody an image and it's like, oh, oh, that's the building Calatrava did. 
can we mm. point to any Nigerian building as somebody who studied architecture in Kano State? You look at it and say, oh, this, this building in Lagos designed by XYZ. It's a systemic failure of our mm. curriculum. It's a failure on the part of our lecturers for not doing like, okay, the curriculum has failed us. Can we be proactive and tell our students these stories ourselves? Mm. And then there's also failure on students. And I admit that I have failed in this part also. I did not go out of my way yeah. to study the great Nigerian architects, to study contemporary ones, to study the ones of the architects of the 40s and the 50s. Like, for instance, I know uh, Alex Ikoeme was an architect. I know he was an architect because I lived in one of his designs. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the episode so far. This weekend, on Sunday, June 28th at 9 a.m. EST, I will be moderating a webinar hosted by Make Spaces. The title is Unfold the Process of People-Centric Design. Make Spaces is a youth-centric initiative that challenges the notion of design education being expensive. Their core focus is on the architecture, urbanism, and art domains. For this particular event, they have collaborated with different designers and architects from across the world to make this educational webinar available to us. For more information, you can check out their Instagram page at make underscore spaces. And we will be posting the link in our bio and some information on the Layers of Design page. Hope you all can make it. Now, let's get back to the episode. And it was yeah. out of curiosity, and I was like, hey, who designed? I, I, I schooled in the University of Nigeria. Uh, for The architecture school is in the Enugu campus. One of the hostels I lived in, I lived in Ujuku Hall, and I was just asking questions like, hey, who designed this building? And they were like, it's Alex Ikoeme, and it was designed in the 50s when this was still the National College of Arts and Sciences or something. And I found out that my grandfather, my grandfather, God rest his soul, actually studied a course in the, when it was still the National College of, I don't think, if, I don't know if I'm getting the name correct, but when it was still the National College of Arts and Sciences or something in the 50s, my grandfather did a course there and he lived in the exact same building. <laughs> wow. And it was designed by Alex Ikweme. And my my heart, my head, it swelled with pride. Like, now we're talking. A great guy designed this. And I know him. He was the vice president one time. Yeah, I know we got So it was a thing of pride. So I believe the more build whenever I discover buildings like that designed by great Nigerian architects, it fills me with a sense of pride. And I want to brag to everybody, be it Kenyan, Tanzanian, American, British. I want to tell you about this great guy who designed this great building that you don't have something like that in your the other great, that it took me on a path of like I was I kept like I would look at great beautiful buildings and I asked who did this and I saw the Senate building at Unilag and I hey who did this I actually did some research on the building and I was like it was designed by James Cubitt architects and I was like James Cubitt doesn't sound like a Nigerian name mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to talk about James Cubitt his name Coyote his name like would be now something I said no James Cubitt oh okay forget about this. I was only interested, and then I went. I did. Some, I went to do some research on the National Arts Theatre, the one at Igomi, 
Mm-hmm. And I found out that it wasn't even designed, like it was a design that was lifted from somewhere, I think in the Balkans, in Yugoslavia or something, and the design was just lifted and replicated in Nigeria. So I was like, you know, forget mm-hmm. that. So what I know is Ujuku Hall, University of Nigeria Enugu campus, was designed by Alex Ekwene. That I can see. So we need to put those names out there. We need to put mm-hmm. them out there, celebrate them. Because if we do not celebrate them ourselves as architects, if the architects are not touting those names, like, hey, yeah, you know that guy, then people, the doctor won't care. Doctor's too busy stitching up somebody's head. Uh, oh, you said, oh, whatever. If we don't celebrate ours, nobody's going to celebrate them for us. So I've mentioned those three aspects. There's the failure on the curriculum, there's a failure on the part of those who were supposed to impact that knowledge to us to like, you know, let's chip this in. And then there's a failure on our part as students, not going out there to do these discoveries ourselves. Because if somebody won't tell the story, if our teachers won't tell us the story, we might as well go find the stories ourselves. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So that's what I think. We need wow. to zoom more. Personally, I need to zoom more. Everybody out there needs to zoom more. Uh, we can't mention mentioning all these names of these great foreign architects and we don't need and somebody says, hey, how, what great architects are for your country? And I'm like, uh, I mean, somebody has to do, uh, I'd shout Alex Ikweme and tell me it's my first and only name on my list. But at least it's something, something. Wow. You know, you know, that's, that's really interesting what you just said, because I completely agree with you. Because even in school, you know, when I, w- I would, they'll give us a new... I guess a new narrative that okay come up with a house for an artist or something like that and anytime yeah. i'll think okay let me pull inspiration from you know one of these nigerian buildings or from like a nigerian architect it was i mean it's still very hard to find somebody so i would always end up pulling like ideas from like a pattern like an ankara pattern yeah. or something like that but yeah. i think it's really important that we start trying to document our our architects and our, and our buildings because i mean even when i worked at when we worked at orange line together yeah. back in 2016 one thing i noticed is that everybody there w- was so talented and just the way you guys was just so like your work ethic right everybody was so hard working no matter what you know you made sure that you got a deadline out and all of the ideas were fresh and the speed at which you did all of this, it just made me think like, wow, like they're just a bunch of very creative and very talented, hardworking Nigerian architects that they don't even get the attention they deserve. And I think it's also partly because, you know, there's no, the exposure to resources are not even available. So I really do think it's important that we find a way to start documenting uh, like Nigerian architects and our work. Because imagine if you build it, if you design and construct a building now. So you're telling me that that whole thing will just get forgotten. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I, I know for sure, not yours, but I'm just, that's just an example. Like, it's something, it's something we all, it's, it's, it's a risk we all, like, we all, it's something we all face, the reality we all face. Mm-hmm. And our, our work might be lost to time. Yes. First, Nigeria, we, we have this habit of our uh, maintenance culture is, is it could be better. Uh, Nigeria's, Nigeria maintenance culture could be better. And number two, the Nigerian architect is very undervalued. Underpaid, yes. undervalued. Mm. 
yeah, that is a topic for another day because it's broad and whenever I talk about it, it gets me very emotional. It's something I talk about with my friends, like the guys you met, Chidi, and the guy, mm-hmm. other guys are always we talk about it, like why is why is the Nigerian architect so undervalued? Undervalued. Like, under, it's something we have to, something that has to be addressed. For, I, I think it's know. also, I mean, first of all, architects in the whole world are undervalued you know and i feel like i'm sure especially in nigeria because even the salary at the time when i was making salary i was like wow like this isn't okay nobody can honestly (laughs) no seriously how are people expected to survive and you know live life with that with that salary you really can't do anything and it's painful so then it's like we need to start having that conversation. How can we start showing people? I think it's partly because the our culture doesn't value architects. Like how you said, you know, the parents are thinking, oh, why, why would my child study architecture? Let's go into medicine or something else. Because they know there's money there. They stand with pride. Ah, my, my son is a doctor. My son is a doctor. lawyer. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's more about it's, it's about that name tag pride. Oh, my son's a lawyer. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So then, nobody ever had architect. Sounds too long anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but then I guess the question is, how do we start changing the idea of architects? You know, how do we start making people find value in our buildings and then in turn find value in the people that are actually designing and building these things because there are some very beautiful buildings in lagos and in nigeria as a whole so but how can we start getting forcing people to appreciate you know our work i think i think that's a challenge i don't even know where we'll start from well it's uh that challenge is very multifaceted Mm-hmm. It's very complex, but in the same vein, I, I think it's something we can actually tackle head on and we might have some measure of success if we like strip everything down to like the basics. Uh, if you want, if you go look at the, the great buildings, the great buildings in the world, and we're talking about like Pyramid of Giza uh, mm-hmm. or Falling Water, uh, the uh, uh, Talisin, uh, Zaha Hadid's uh, work, they belong, they were made done by certain architects. And what all those buildings done by those architects have in common is that they have distinct identity. Hmm. Nigerian, contemporary Nigerian architecture has no identity whatsoever. I'm sorry to say this, but hmm. Nigerian contemporary architecture has no identity. So, so that leads me to my next question, right? How can we start finding or how can we start identifying our own architecture so that when people see it, they're like, oh, yes, this started, you know, this started in Nigeria. This was started by some Nigerian architects. And this this really has, like, you know, this really showcases what is, go- you know, what the culture is in, let's say, in Lagos, right, or in Edo State. This really showcases the culture because honestly, you are right. When we go into cities like Lagos, everybody everybody just wants to do oh what the Europeans are doing or what the people that, in the US are doing, high rises and stuff. But how can we also start growing our own 
like adding our own touch to it. And I think that might also lead back to the fact that we don't even have precedents or we don't have like a collection, a proper collection of precedents like, oh, this is, you know, this is, this is this Nigerian architect that designed so many buildings and this is his work. Let's study it. Because that's honestly what people do. They just look at how architects have, you know, designed something right. and then they start putting their own little touch on it. But how do we start creating that identity for us? Yeah, I was about to interject when you said uh, you, you you said something before you added an, uh, you added some extra and you said we don't have a collection of precedents and I, I totally agree. We have precedents, we have tons of precedents, but just like you mentioned before we delved into this, we don't have them documented. Mm -hmm. Have those precedents documented. And there's something my something my my, my, my dad always says. He says, first things first. And I translate that to know that you have to know where you're coming from to mm. figure out where you're headed. Mm. If you do not appreciate or understand traditional Nigerian architecture, mm. do not appreciate or understand the architecture of your forefathers. If you do not appreciate or understand the architecture that existed in the spot, the patch of earth where you stand, you do not appreciate the architecture that was that existed there. Five fifty years ago, uh, one hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, five hundred years ago. Contrary to what anybody might tell you, that you have no history, you do have history. You have history. You have yes. the history of the great people that came before you, who were great craftsmen, great artists, great architects. They designed houses for the tropics that stood the test of time. They designed houses, designed structures for specific weather. They designed great monoliths of their time. If you do not appreciate, understand those precedents, you will be a lost soul. You just be like somebody floating in the water. Wow. Because a key, a key component of architecture is evolution. Yes. Things have evolved. I mean, we started with when you study when you start studying architecture, they tell you oh, the first system was the post and beam. Yeah, the post and beam evolved into uh, uh, arch people. They started trying out archways. And the archways, at first, they couldn't get perfect archways. So they were using stones and they put the headstone. And mm -hmm. then somebody somewhere accidentally invented mortar and then they improved on the mortar. And then they, 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 there was they, somebody invented concrete. And the dome of the, uh, is it the Parthenon? The dome of the Parthenon is a concrete dome. And it's not even reinforced. They had to do this. They had to do that. And then somewhere down the line, they say, "Hey, you know what? We need to uh, we need to uh, 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 innovate reinforced concrete." And voila, they innovated reinforced concrete. And now we have reinforced concrete. We have brutalist architecture. We have steel structures. But everything goes back to the post and beam. Yes, that's the origin. We do not know our origin. I'm not saying we do not have our origins, but mm -hmm. we, we have not taken the time to study and appreciate our origins. Origin. Some people have, but it needs to be in movement. Some people have, for example, uh, the floating school at Makoku. Mm -hmm. he, looked, he looked at the environment, he mm -hmm. looked at the surroundings, he looked at the problem he was facing, and he looked at the past of the 
people who live by the waters of Lagos to come up with a solution. And yep. he came up with the floating school. It is beautiful. It is innovative. It solves the problem. And he, he had to rely on his past to come up with that solution. Exactly. If more people, if more Nigerian architects make it a point of duty to study our pasts, I believe, I'm not saying this is a certainty, I believe mm -hmm. we might be able to start manifesting a sort of identity because it kind of pains me when I, okay, this is something that happened in my, in my, during my master's year in Unilag. I was having a discussion, we were having a, a discussion session with one of our, our jurors, and he said something that really, till this day, still pisses me off. Still pisses me off. I am not going to say the lecturer's name. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but he said, don't stress yourself. Why don't you just go on Google, pick out an image, and improve on it? Hmm. I mean, yeah, people do that, but you, Christ, you're not supposed to tell me to do that. You mm -hmm. Come on, man. Uh, it hit me then that this is actually what's obtainable among like young architects. I'm not saying it's wrong. I mean, there's mm -hmm. nothing okay, there's nothing new under the sun. But whatever happens in the spirit of innovation, so I'm saying, oh, take the idea and then add your innovation to it. Why don't you innovate first, based on your history, and then you mm -hmm. go on there and things you can add to what you've innovated from what you historically have as your, this is our identity, this is our architecture. Why don't you add to your identity instead of borrowing an entire identity? You go, you walk around, you walk around uh, Victoria Island, you see a building with the parapet and a flat roof and, mm -hmm. and you're like, how in the hell is this supposed to work in Lagos? Exactly. Not Kano, Lagos. With our heavy rains, with I mean, Thank come you. on, man. And then it's very, it's very important that you brought that up because I think that is also what you know what feeds into the lack of almost the lack of maintenance or like the lack of care for people. I mean, for example, a building with a flat roof, like you just mentioned. If it's not, if we don't design to accommodate with, to our climate, right? If we don't design to accom accommodate our culture and how the, how people are actually using these spaces, we can't just place foreign objects there. Oh, because we saw this cool design in you know in the in Europe or in the states. Oh, we're just going to replicate yeah. that design in Lagos. Why? Hope it works. Exactly. I hope it works. Oh, I've I've done this beautiful modern building. No, but hold on. When that building starts, you know, when it starts leaking, when things start happening to it, then you start asking yourself, why? Why are these things happening? I think it's a lack of, like, almost like care for it, you know? Like, people don't really care about what, what the end users need. I think that also really stems, stems, you know, to the problem. And you mentioned a very good point, too, on how we need to understand our history first and study our history before we can start just creating anything. And that's, you that's... don't just create out of the blue. Uh, it, you, you, look, you, look, uh, you look at everything in context. You look at what's there now, and you look at what was here uh, six or 700, 800 years ago, and there's, there's, there's no relationship whatsoever. It's just like two strangers standing side by side. 
you cannot tie what you currently see to what was in the past and what was in the past cannot recognize what is seen in the future there's a mm -hmm. there's a total disconnect the environment suffers for it you as the architect might not realize it but you are bastardizing your environment mm -hmm. to quote carly too that's not cool that's not cool <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely agree with what you, you've said and you've touched on so many good points here and I hope, you know, any designer or architect that listens to this episode, I hope we really start asking our que ourselves these questions because honestly, that is a question I've been asking myself too. Like, how is it that anytime I Google buildings and for, for the fact that these things are not even documented properly, right? Of course, yes. they won't be on Google. What would they be doing on Google? So then we are, we're getting lost. We're yeah. getting lost. And it's like, oh, no. Africans, Africans can't be architects. Africans can't create all oh, this and that. No, we can. But we just don't have, we've just not been exposed to our own history. You know, so how do, how, how do we even have a foundation? If, because, I mean, the Europeans, the people from the States, from other more advanced countries, they have a full documentation of their history, whether good or bad. They can look back, oh, I'm going to draw in uh, inspiration from this, um, from brutalism, right? And they can start yeah. picking it apart. Okay, let's take this. Let's, you know, there's a, a sense of identity so that they can they begin to modernize their own history, you know, and that is their own modern take to, the, to their own, to their history. So yeah. how can we start... In, in that vein, I, I think um, I'm going to commend, uh, let's not be all negative, I'm going to commend certain outlets who have been doing painstaking work to mm. document historical Nigerian architecture. There's, uh, there's this handle on Twitter, it's called UKPURU. They've done a lot of work as regards documenting in their own way, uh, Nigerian architecture, pre-colonial Nigerian architecture, colonial Nigerian architecture, they get most of their documentation from photos that were taken by uh, a British expedition, expedition called North Coast Thomas or so. He was in Nigeria, in, I think in the 19, between the 1910s and the 1930s, he took a lot of pictures, and these pictures are never before seen pictures, like wow. pictures of the palace of the Oba Benin, pictures of the palace of the view of Niger, pictures of traditional Igbo homesteads, picture of like, and you look at these pieces and like, wow, this is beautiful. And in, some other Nigerians have also been doing a lot of great work trying to reconnect with the past. Like there's, uh, there's a lot of people doing painstaking work, trying to rediscover and uh, in CBD, which is the uh, traditional Igbo uh, alphabet. They've done a lot of extensive work rediscovering the CBD. It's just like when the, uh, it's just like hero, the, the CBD is similar to hieroglyphics. Mm -hmm. It's our own, our own hieroglyphics, hieroglyphics. Now, look at how hieroglyphics, the Egyptian hieroglyphics, uh, hieroglyphics are celebrated around the world. That should also be us. We should get, we just need to get our word out there. I mean, the same way the Benin bronze, mm -hmm. the Benin eye, Celebrated, although celebrated, yes, stolen, also yes. Mm. Uh, if any Brit is hearing me, please tell the British government to, to return give us back our stuff. Thank you very much. One time, return yes. it. Return our stuff. So we have 
those we have those things that celebrated, but there's only so much celebration we can do if we cannot go to look at those things at will because they're not here and not everybody can afford to take a flight to the British Museum and go look at the Benin Bulls and this nice. Now, yeah. we need to have those things here in museums here so we can go there, look at them, appreciate them. We now have people who are doing some great work documenting these buildings. Uh, there's a lot of great work has been done. I actually own a book, a big textbook i got it from i think i got it from orange line yeah mm. of uh uh the uh buildings in the in northern nigeria and how their building style was adapted for their environmental conditions there their climatic conditions there the flat roofs the very regal looking uh uh how patterns on the walls the the, the the little spires you have at the corners of the houses and if you come to certain houses in Iko, you see that the wealthy and affluent uh, northern uh, businessmen or people in power, they try to adapt that old style to their current buildings with the contemporary feeling. And I, I, I would say this, that those, those buildings are the few, one of the few buildings you can look at and you feel a historical connection to our past. The past, in this case, being northern Nigeria. Mm. But you look at those views and like, yeah, whoever designed this knows his history. Even if he doesn't know his history, his client knows his history. Mm -hmm. And now you can begin to see an identity. Now you see that building, you know that, yes, this building was influenced by the palaces of northern Nigeria, the palaces in Kakami, the palaces in, in uh, uh, Sokoto. We should have that for every region. But the good thing is that those buildings were well documented. They've always, those pictures have always been about on the, and they were well preserved. They were well preserved because they were built by the conquerors, Uthman Danfodio and whatnot. So they were well preserved, unlike uh, Benin that was invaded and everything was burned to the ground. So we really don't have that much photo evidence of, oh, this is what the people are, or carvings or whatever, this is what uh, Benin used to look like back in Benin. This is what a typical Benin house uh, homestead looked like. This is what a typical rich Benin man's house looked like. This is what the palace looked like. We don't have uh, documented evidence of that. Hmm. But I'll find bits, scraps, get these bits, get these scraps, put them all together, form some kind of mosaic, let it start mixing, and we'll take it from there. That's yeah. the work that we've done. That's the work we need to do. And I'm glad to see that a lot of people have started doing that work. And more people who get on it, the more progress we're going to make. Oh, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that to light, especially Kuru. I'm going to really check them out. And I think it's important that we start bringing people that are doing this very hard work and honestly, really challenging work to start piecing our history together. I think it's really commendable work and is something that everybody needs to be aware of. So we can all start, you know, doing the little we can to support them as well. Because yeah. by the time more people, because I didn't even know of Ukuru, right? And by the time more people start to find out about, you know, people or organizations that are taking the step to do this work, more people are going to contribute towards that. And that yeah. will, again, it, it, it all comes down to collaboration, right? And <clears throat> more people are able to join in and also give their two cents or help us out with the connections that they might have. Or maybe they even have like an old picture where their grandfather was standing in front of the Benin Palace. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And then everybody's like, ah, oh, wait, oh, like, 
I actually have this photo. Would this help? Is this part of it? Yeah, sure. Let's take a scan. And that's how we start building our own archives. Or there might be a grandma somewhere that has been telling the, a story of a city that was that has been lost. And nobody is even really listening. You know what I mean? So I think the more people are aware of these organizations and the people that are doing this work, the more everybody's um, able to contribute what they can. So we can start building our you know our own history um, this has been a very interesting conversation i really enjoyed this i feel like i'm going to <laughs> invite you back on yes. to have more um, conversations i would love i would love to get back on definitely but um um I, I would like us to wrap it up now but i would like to know i guess what inspires your designs well my designs, for the most part, are influenced by my surroundings. Okay. When I say my surroundings, uh, immediate surroundings, but most especially where I grew up. So, uh, I grew up in Apapa, in Lagos, and Apapa has always been a hosting and bustling place. It's full of activity because we have the ports just over here. So there's always a lot of people going there. So I've discovered that while I was in architecture school, I discovered that my immediate surroundings set the tone for what I'm about, whatever it is I want to design. And mm. then I also, I also like to solve people problems. I, I mentioned before that someone once called me, it's actually our former boss at Orange Line, he called me like a social architect. Like, mm. are you a social architect? And I'm like, yeah. I, I tend to focus on people, people's needs. Like, what's the minimum? What's the minimum level of comfort someone can get in this room? And I will not go any. I will not go lower than that. So my benchmark is always minimum. The like minimum level of comfort is my designs are people centric. I like to design. I like as much as possible. I like my designs to be people centric as much as possible. It's really difficult in Nigeria especially when we are designing at the whims of uh, developers and, and uh, people who want to maximize space and maximize profit. It's always a running battle. Like you're telling somebody, I want this bedroom, it should be this big, this space should be this high. And they were like, no, 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 we need to get three more floors. And you know, it's, it's a running battle with the Nigerian developer. It's a running battle with the Nigerian client, but more often than not, you have to let them see, make them see reason. Uh, hey, look, at the end of the day, this is, a, this is going to be defined by the user experience. If you design this and then everybody who comes to use this space is complaining, have you really succeeded with this design? And that most more often than not, that makes them, uh, have, makes them have a change of heart. But as much as possible, or I, I endeavor to make my designs people-centric, centered around people's experiences. Then I draw inspiration from... Uh, um, yeah. I, I'm personally not a big fan of curves and everything. I like clean lines. I like straight lines. I like people to. I, I want someone to look at my look at something I've designed from any angle and see clear definition. Mm. I mean, curves are great and everything, but it's not just my cup of tea. If if, if I collaborate with an architect who finds a way to incorporate the curves with my design, fine. I, I, I'm, I'm 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 happy. I'm happy to infuse that into the design. But if it's up to me. Clean lines, straight lines, not too rigid, but everything should be clean. Minimalist, if possible, 
nothing shouty but understated elegance that's what i would consider my style wow that's beautiful well thank you so much Killian, for coming on and for sharing your experience and your knowledge with us honestly this conversation was really enlightening and i hope you know that more designers and more architects start to think the way you think and are very as curious as you are because i think that is what's really going to grow you know the design community and the architecture community in nigeria so thank you so much for coming on to share your you know your side of the world with us i look forward to seeing everything that you you design honestly thank you very much thank you very much it's an absolute pleasure absolute pleasure i've been looking forward to this since you mentioned it to me and now i'm, I'm on it it's actually very great thank you very much